Today we're going to kick off a brand new series of messages and I have in the past shared with you my aversion to making the transition from hardcore roadmaps to the GPS. Someone gave me a GPS many years ago for Christmas and it stayed in a box in my closet for over two years before I would even try to use it. It's not because I'm ignorant or I'm technology averse. I'm just an old school kind of guy. And I got to be honest with you. I've shared this with you before. I have spent many an evening in my easy chair paging through a Rand McNally road atlas. It's just something I enjoy. Now, don't misunderstand. I don't have aspirations of being a world traveler. I don't care if I ever get on my motorcycle and ride all the way across the United States. That'd be cool. And I may do it one day. But if I don't, it's okay. I may never get in a sailboat and sail all around the world. That'd be super cool, but I'll probably never do that either. And if I don't, that's okay. But there's something about geography that intrigues me. There's something about the flow of rivers and how communities are built around water and in mountain ranges. There's something about having to drive through tunnels or or. Uh, build bridges to go over vast chasms that just fascinates me. Not everyone is born with a sense of direction, if that actually exists. Now, I'm not sure if God has actually given some of you uh, an actual switch in your brain that gives you a good idea of where you are and where to go from here, but if such a gift does exist, I believe I have it because I rarely ever get lost. Now, my sweet wife, not so much. If you ask Amy, where's up? Which direction is north? She's going to point up. Where's north, Amy? There's north. That's where Santa Claus lives. I have a clear understanding, for some reason, of the direction I typically need to go, even when I get turned around. When I was in high school, I was always the leader on the hunting trips. I have waded in and out of swamps in central Florida like you wouldn't believe. I could go in after dark and stay the night and come out the next day and never once get turned around. If we were hunting, if we were playing capture the flag, if we were exploring as 15-year-old boys will do, I was always the leader because I could always get us where we needed to go without a map, without a trail, without a sign. It's just something that's built into some people. Let me ask you, raise your hand if you believe you are somewhat navigationally challenged. Can I see your hands? Raise your hand. You're navigationally challenged. I hate to say this publicly and live on the internet for all those who are watching. There's a whole lot of ladies' hands being raised right here. Sorry if that sounds a little sexist. Uh, my wife's older brother is named Ashley. She and her sister Angie have an older brother named Ashley, and he too is navigationally challenged. Now, Ashley is significantly older than I am, but he's kind of like a uh, very laid back, kind of kind of very easygoing. It's like if Ron White and Waylon Jennings had a baby, it'd be Ashley, my brother-in-law, okay? <laughs> he never gets in a hurry. He drives his truck about 52 miles an hour, 
It doesn't matter how many cars are behind him, how much traffic he's holding up, he's in no rush whatsoever. He told me several years ago about going through downtown Atlanta on his way to an important meeting. Now, first of all, I would have never accepted that my brother-in-law Ashley would even attempt to drive through downtown Atlanta, but evidently he did. Now, this is way back before the days of Siri and Google Maps. Someone had written down on a piece of paper his exit number off I-75, a couple of turns thereafter, the building number, where to park, that sort of thing. And so he's following these handwritten directions. And sure enough, if you've ever driven through downtown Atlanta, you are familiar with construction. Seems like all the time they're changing lanes, building bridges, shifting things around. What once was a clover leaf is now turning into some sort of sweeping bypass. Well, he was approaching his exit and he knew it, but because of the construction, he had a really difficult time getting over into the proper lane. Again, no Siri to say, get into the right-hand two lanes, be prepared to exit in 1.3 miles. Nothing like that at all. He's searching for that green sign that says exit 38 or whatever the number was. And sure enough, he went right by his exit and missed it. Another two exits later, he finally gets off the interstate. Now he's stuck in a maze of one-way roads in downtown Atlanta. Left turn after left turn after left turn. Make a right turn. No, almost hit a MARTA bus. Uh, There was something there about a tunnel, something about a near miss with a a bus. Uh, He finds his way back to uh, I-75 North, and sure enough, he gets ready to get this proper exit. Here it comes. He knows it's coming. He's trying to get over. Best he can do because of the traffic is miss the exit a second time. This is twice now, but now he feels he knows where he's going. He gets off at the same second exit after the one he missed. He does all the same left-hand turns. He winds up back on I-75 northbound, and this time he's committed. He's telling himself, I don't care how many big tractor trailer rigs there are. I don't care how many trucks are pulling campers. I don't care if a 747 who's bound for Hartsfield International decides to land on I-75 northbound. I'm getting over to get my exit. Sure enough, I know you don't believe this, he missed his exit a third time. He said, when I missed my exit a third time, Mike, I just pulled the truck over in the construction area, shut her down, to rest. (laughs) If you're navigationally challenged, then this is probably not much good to you. If you're navigationally challenged trying to get through Atlanta, my heart goes out to you. If you're navigationally challenged trying to get through life, we've got much bigger problems. You see, people who've gotten lost a lot can teach us something about our subject today. People who get lost a lot have a rare and unique insight into our subject matter for today. For instance, people who get lost a lot know a few things that the rest of us may not know. Number one, they know that nobody gets lost on purpose. Nobody sets out to get lost. When you get lost and realize that you are lost, there's generally a sense of impending doom that kind of comes over you. That's not a comfortable feeling, so nobody sets out to do it. And oh, by the way, 
you rarely realize you're getting lost when you're getting lost. That's something that happens later. You're getting lost, but you don't know you're getting lost. It sort of creeps up on you. It dawns on you later. That's how people get lost. Nobody sets out to get lost, and nobody knows when they're getting lost. Often when we're getting lost, we actually think we're making progress. Hey, I'm almost there. Man, I'm shaving three minutes off this trip. I think it's the next exit. My destination's getting closer. But you don't realize you took a wrong turn seven turns ago, and you are lost. But finally, it dawns on you. Here's the big thing that people who get lost a lot know. It's so important. They know you always end up where the road you're on takes you. People who get lost a lot understand this clearly. You always end up where the road you're on takes you. Oh, and by the way, where you intended to end up is irrelevant. It doesn't matter, does it? Pulling the car over and saying, this is not where I intended to wind up, does no good, right? No matter how loudly you say it, no matter how many times you say it, your intention to not get Lost doesn't really matter. Lost people are victims of the path principle. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. Lost people are victims. They've been affected by the principle of the path. You always end up where the path you're on takes you. So if you're on the wrong road, it doesn't matter what you believe it doesn't matter what you hope. It doesn't matter what you're dreaming about. It doesn't matter what your intentions are. If you're on the wrong path, you're in trouble. Now, the reason this is so relevant is because every one of us in this auditorium is on a path. Every one of us is on a path of some kind. In fact, most of us are on multiple paths. We're on a path toward marriage and relationship. We're on a path of finances. We're on the path of our body, our health, and how we take care of ourselves. Every one of us is on a path of some kind, financially, morally, spiritually, relationally. That's what makes the path principle so relevant and so profound. And at the outset, I get it. This sounds so elementary and pedantic. I, I actually ground over this idea before I decided to do this series because the principle of the path is super, super elementary. It is incredibly simple. I could walk next door right now and teach your second grader the principle of the path. Everybody knows the principle of the path. If you're familiar with the Wizard of Oz, you know the principle of the path. Remember that story? Dorothy is perhaps the only teenage girl in America who thinks that home is the best place. There's no place like home. I know very few teenagers who believe that. She winds up in the enchanted land of Oz, and the good witch named Glinda promises that if she can get to the wizard, the wizard can get Dorothy home. Well, how do I see the wizard? You've got to go to the Emerald City. 
How do I get to the Emerald City? You follow the yellow brick road, one foot in front of another. If you've seen The Wizard of Oz, you have a clear understanding of the concept of the principle of the path. So why do I bring it to your attention? Because when it comes to this, we all get it. When it comes to geography, we all understand the principle of the path. You cannot go to Florida by traveling east and then turning north on I-95. You'll never see Florida. We get it when it comes to this, but strangely enough, there's some weird kind of disconnect in our brain pertaining to the paths we choose in life. When it comes to traveling east or west, north or south on vacation, we grasp the concept of the path. I'm going to arrive at a destination based upon the path that I have chosen. We get that. But we don't get it when it comes to our health, our bodies, our purity. We don't get it when it comes to our morality, our marriages, our relationships. We don't get it when it comes to other paths in life. Today we're going to launch this series entitled The Path. It's based on this book, which is an awesome little book. I love little books. They're my favorite kind because they're easy to read. I get through them quickly and I feel like I've accomplished something. Don't hand me a book this thick. You give me a small book. You give me a small book that's super practical, that tells me what to do, and I am stoked, man. That's this book. You can buy it anywhere, electronically, hardback, paperback, otherwise. It's based on this book because the principle of the path permeates the pages of the Bible. Years ago, when I came across that little book and I read it for the first time, I thought to myself, how many lives has this little book touched? How many futures has this little book altered? You see, that's what the principle of the path does. And the reason it's so Powerfully profound is because it's rooted in the principles of this book. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 26, Solomon wrote, Ponder the path of your feet. That's path language. That's direction language. Solomon said, pause, consider for a moment the path of your feet. Stop, Solomon said. Let's talk about this. I want you to consider your direction. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. That's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. I'm going to cause you to ponder the path of your feet. And here's what I'm hoping to accomplish. I'm hoping that the light will go on. And it will dawn on you, every one of you, that the outcome circumstance that you know today is largely the result of the path you chose yesterday. Did you get that? The path principle teaches that the outcome circumstance that you know today is largely the result of the path you chose yesterday. That's what the path principle teaches. And that's what principles do. That's how the principle works. And by the way, 
There's a difference between a law and a principle. This is not a law. Don't think of this as some sort of Newton's law, the law of the harvest. This is a principle, and there's a big difference between the two. You see, a law can be broken. I can figure out a way to skirt around the law. Just because the sign says speed limit 70, I can drive 85, and I may get away with it. I may never get a ticket, even though I've broken the law. But principles don't work that way. You see, you can't break principles. Principles will break you. And that's the difference in the two. The path principle is always working in everybody's life. It's like a background program that never sleeps. It's always on. It's always doing its thing. The path principle is working in your life right now, just like it was working in your life yesterday, and just like it will be working in your life tomorrow. That's what principles do. You see, if the path principle were not eternal, were it not true, then none of us would know regret. You follow me? If the path principle were not true, then regret wouldn't exist. If you could figure out a way to erase, undo, cover up, make go away, whatever it was that led you to where you are today, if you could make it all go away, then there'd be no such thing as regret. Because the path principle is true, because it's always working, there is no escaping the principle of the path, many of us live with some regret. Because a road we chose, a path we took years ago, led us to a destination we found very unpleasant. If there's one thing we all have in common in this room, regardless of how old we are, male, female, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, regardless of race, ethnicity, it doesn't matter. If there's one thing we all have in common, it's that we've all done stupid things, right? We've all made decisions that were poor, We've all lapsed in our judgment, said something, did something, reacted in a certain way that we now regret. You see, it's the path principle that unlocks the secret. The beauty of the path principle, and the reason this may be so compelling to you as we unpack this over the next few weeks, is because it works both ways. The path principle works both ways. You see... Not only does the path principle help me understand how important direction is, it also helps me uncouple from the past and choose a new one, a new direction that is. Think about this for a minute. What are people looking for more often than not when they're in a tight spot? They're looking for a solution, aren't they? When a couple, having been married 12 years, sees their relationship unraveling and they sit down in the office of a counselor, they're looking for a solution to their problem, are they not? They're searching for answers to their questions. It's like they walk in and sit down preloaded with a mental list of questions. Here are my problems. 
Now, I've come to you for my solution, but that's not the way the path principle works. Because you see, more often than not, and what makes the path principle so powerful is it teaches us it's not about solutions, it's about direction. Direction trumps solution every time. If I could take a married couple back in their relationship a decade, 14 years, 28 years when it all began, and we could get them to change to another path, I guarantee you their destination those many years later would be completely different. When you find yourself in a tight spot financially or relationally, regardless, it's not so much a solution you need, it's a new direction that you need. And there's a big difference between the two. You see, there is no instant solution for being lost, right? When you realize you're lost, A, you don't need anyone to tell you you're lost. That'd just make me mad. I already know I'm lost. What I need is a solution. Well, the solution is don't be lost anymore. That doesn't work either. What I need is direction. And therein lies the power of the path principle. Because most often troubled people, troubled people need direction, not solution. Oh, and by the way, for all the religious people in the crowd, prayers aren't very helpful when you're lost either. You pray all you want to. Prayers aren't very helpful when you're lost. Because typically, you cannot pray your way out of something that you've behaved your way into. See? You can't hope your way out of something that took you a year to behave your way into. That's not the way it works. How many times, probably countless in my office, has someone said, you know, Mike, I just wish I could go back and do it again. I so wish that I had a do-over. I have been told by middle-aged men on more than one occasion, housewives and mothers of three on more than one occasion, man, I would love to go back then knowing what I know now and do it Again, wouldn't it be nice to have a do-over? But let me remind you of something, church. If you got to go back, but didn't change your path, the destination would be remarkably similar to what it is today. You could go all the way back and you could rework your goals. You could adjust your hopes and your dreams, but if you don't change your path, the destination is going to be remarkably similar. So, without further ado, here is the principle of the path. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention. I didn't intend to wind up here. Nobody does. I didn't intend to be staring at my third divorce. Nobody does. I didn't intend to wind up financially bound. Nobody does. The path principle teaches direction, not intention, determines destination. And it's so beautiful because it soars above race 
and it soars above opportunity and it climbs above wealth, education, upbringing. The path principle is not affected by how much money you make, how much money you have in the bank. Doesn't matter to the path principle. It's always working in the background. The path principle doesn't care how popular you are, how cute you are, how handsome you are, how many friends you have. The path principle doesn't care. Regardless of your goals, regardless of your dreams, regardless of your wishes and your wants, you cannot escape the principle of the path. That's why I titled the message, No Escaping. There is no escaping the principle of the path, which is direction, not intention, determines destination. Do you realize this is why there are so many unrealized dreams in the United States of America, the principle of the path? This is why there are billions of unrealized hopes and dreams in the greatest nation on the planet. It's because your destination has little at all to do with your hopes and dreams, but everything to do with your direction. In spite of all the promises that come out of Washington, the path principle trumps them all. In spite of living where we live, the path principle trumps them all. In spite of your personal hopes and dreams, wishes and wants, the path principle trumps them all because it's always working. You can't get around it. There is no escape. I think that's why there's so much path language in the Bible. I think that's why there's so much step language, foot language, follow language, direction language, especially in the poetic books of your Old Testament. Right in the middle of your Old Testament, there are five poetic books. They start with Job and they end with Ecclesiastes. Those five books are loaded with the image and the language of the path. Steps, follow, direction, feet, and path. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. That's path language. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You make know to me the path of life. That's direction language. It's as if our maker, our creator, wants us to ponder our direction. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Wouldn't all loving fathers want their children to consider where they're going? How many fathers have said to their son, son, that's a rough road you're on. Son, that's a shaky path you're on. That's a dangerous road to travel, son. How many fathers would make statements? How many parents would make statements to children Regarding the future, out of love, our Heavenly Father does the same. And oh, by the way, isn't it remarkable how easy it is to see the path principle working in somebody else's life and totally miss it in your own? I can see where you're headed. I know where you're going. I've seen it a thousand times before. All of a sudden, wham! I get hit by my own bus. Right? Our creator fills this book 
with path language because he loves you. He's merciful and gracious. He wants to help you accomplish those two things, to establish your path, to take you to your destination, perhaps uncouple you from your past so you can find a new one. That's what all good parents do. And if you are a parent, this has got to be both a source of great comfort to you and guidance for your children all rolled into one. I mean, think about this. One of the most prevailing parent passages in the Bible is Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Here's how it goes. Start children off on the way they should go. You might remember it this way. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Start children off on the way they should go. That's path language. That's direction language. And watch. And even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. That's pretty powerful, parents. Do you know what that teaches? That says if you as a parent make sure to start your children on the right path in the right direction, they'll grow accustomed to what the right path looks like. They'll get comfortable on the right path because it will become familiar territory to them. Start them off on the way they should go. And even like so many of us, when they get old and they step off of that path for a time, they're never going to forget it. It's never going to leave their minds. They're going to remember exactly what the right direction looks like. Why? Because you started them off on the right way. Notice that promise has nothing to do with teaching your children to dream. With promising your children they can do whatever they want. It has nothing to do with building their self-esteem. It's a simple reference to the principle of the path. Start them off on the right path, and it will pay. So, very simple idea. As I said earlier, I could go right next door and teach it to your second grader. But I want to remind every one of you, it's your direction. It's not your dreams. It's not your hopes. It's not your intentions. It's your direction that determines your destination. And every one of us in this auditorium have our feet on a path. We're all walking in a direction. We're all going to wind up where those chosen paths take us. And when that day comes... And we've arrived at our destination. Hear me, it could be good, it could be bad. Doesn't matter. When we've arrived, we're going to be faced with two inescapable conclusions. Number one is, well, this is where the path led. That's number one. When you arrive one day, and it's good in marriage, or it's bad in marriage. When you arrive one day and you're free financially, or you're bound financially. When you arrive one day with regret and remorse, or freedom and peace, good or bad, happy or sad, you're going to know, well, that's where this road led. And number two, you're going to know, that's the path I chose. Nobody chose for me. No one backed me in a corner 
and made me take their path. I chose this path, and this is where it's led. Financially, morally, spiritually, relationally, ethically, in our marriages, our careers, with our bodies and our health. Oh, and by the way, if I may be so bold, some of us, we need to get over ourselves. Because you are not bigger than the path. It's not about who's on the path, who is so special on the path. It's not about who's smarter than most on the path. The path trumps all. The path is bigger than all of us. It's not about who's on the path. It's about the path itself. That's why the path determines destination. So I quit with a question. If you continue on your current path, relationally, in your date life, financially, morally, spiritually, if you continue on your current path, where will you wind up? You see, the beauty of God's mercy as it relates to the path principle is that he can overcome wherever you are because where you're going matters more than where you are. That's the beauty of his mercy and his grace. That's how you uncouple from the past. You understand that according to this book and according to the principle of the path, where you're heading is far more important than where you are. So let me ask you, has anybody tried to warn you lately? Have you been wrestling in your own mind with matters of conscience? See, nobody gets around the principle of the path. Nobody. There is no escaping the principle of the path. You will eventually wind up where the path you're now on takes you. It's as simple and yet profound as that. Let's pray. Our Father in God, thank you for clear statements that all of us can grasp, that all of us can respond to. Motivated by love for us, you desire that we consider our steps, and I pray we do just that. God, open our eyes to the paths we're on. Give us the courage and stamina we need to make adjustments when necessary, I pray. In the name of your Son, Jesus, I ask it. Amen. God bless you, Grace Community Church. I hope you make it a fantastic week. I will see you next time.